Hey and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner and thank you for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Go to baseballcloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. In our final VBCA episode, I get to introduce to you several fantastic Virginia high school baseball coaches. We start with St. Christopher's head coach, Tony Simandera. Then we have Randy Tomlin, former major league player and now head coach at Liberty Christian. Then we move to Benedictine head coach, Sean Ryan, newly named Fredericksburg Christian head coach, Jeff Petty, who's also the president of the Evo Shield Canes. And then we end with Minchville head coach, Phil Forbes. Tony Simandera, welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Well, we were just talking off the mic about the importance of communication, and you had some really cool ways to communicate with parents. I know that that it's something that that has become more prominent. Like you mentioned, whenever you started coaching at you know age twenty three, you were a head coach, and I'm sure you didn't have to do this then. What are some ways that you communicate with parents, and you know, talk to us about some of the benefits that you've seen out of it? Yeah, a couple of years ago, uh, as a school. We decided that we should communicate more with the parents sort of on a weekly basis, and we were sort of instructed to uh, write a weekly email, and that quickly got old uh, in terms of trying to construct it because you worry about, you know, grammar and all those sorts of things, and uh, uh, it seemed more natural and more accessible to, to video something. So, we actually started this series that we called From the Dugout that we would do once a week, uh, and we, we usually have some basic segments of talking about the, the previous week and how it went, how we performed, uh, kind of looking ahead to the following week, what's coming up, uh, what we might be doing to prepare for those, those teams we might face. Uh, maybe add in a uh, player of the week uh, award in which we could actually uh, call attention to say three or four players who had performed well uh, and then award somebody. Uh, we have these little mini batting helmets that we give out as the as the award, uh, and award that kind of on camera. Uh, sometimes those uh, are not guys who had great stats, but they may have done little things that actually made the team succeed. Uh, it could be into something a practice effort as well. And so uh, we do those. Try to keep them seven eight minutes if we can. Uh, sometimes we'll let the kids take over. We'll call the kids in, and 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 after they've seen us do it a couple times as coaches, uh, we'll bring them in and let them talk, and and uh, that's actually fun. So the parents, I think, uh, especially today, they unlike twenty years ago where they just sort of turned their kid over and trusted you. Uh, I don't. You have to build the trust in a way, and they want to know what you're doing. And I think it's a great way to actually build allies because uh, then they can understand what you're you're really trying to do as a program, what you're trying to do with their sons, what you think is important. And that's successes and failures. And, and uh, it's been pretty well received. We've had, you know, even parents of uh, boys who are not on the team, but, you know, they're, these are their son's friends and they want to hear about it. And, and they've asked that they be forwarded to them. And, and uh, so it's, and it's, it's usually pretty fun to do. Uh, so it's good stuff. No, I love it. And one thing that stood out that you mentioned and that's that, you know, whenever you were telling me that at first, I was like, I wonder how many people actually watch it. <laughs> and you said that they'll watch it in like the carpool line of just uh, and and you said that they like to get it forwarded from other people. So I, I think that's a fantastic idea. 
Well, thank you. It's, it, it, I wish I could say uh, it was genius. It's one, every time we come up with something that works, you sit there and say, why didn't we think of that five years ago? Definitely. <laughs> For sure. Well, you've had you've got over 30 years of coaching experience, head coaching experience. Yes, sir. And you started at the ripe old age of 23. So you're almost a player yourself whenever <laughs> you started. And I want to know, so you go back in time and you can tell your 23-year-old self a couple of things. What would a couple of those things be? Patience, number one. Um, I, I, can't, I go back to, uh, it was probably about my seventh or eighth year of coaching, and we had an awful year in terms of record. I think we were three and 17, and I still go back to that is when I learned how to coach or learned what coaching really was um, because we were not, we knew we weren't going to be very good, and we we lost a lot of games late in, in games because we didn't have, we weren't very deep with pitching. And uh, we had to take a different tact as a coaching staff. And it really had to be about the teaching. It really had to be about the instructing. It really had to be about keeping uh, the boys' spirits up and talking about their improvement and, and what was happening and that the results were going were gonna to happen. And that, like I said, after uh, on reflection, I learned a lot that year about what really teaching and coaching is. And so... You know, when you're when you're 23, you, you feel like you have to prove yourself, and the only way you prove yourself is to win. And after a while, you figure out it's a lot about talent at this level. And if you don't have it, you're only going to do but so well anyway. And what are the lessons that you 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 have to instill in the boys uh, so that they learn those lessons and then can succeed? Uh, so that going back, I'd say patience is number one. And that, you know, that's something that I continually have to try. And I, I've stopped praying about it because uh, last year I, I lived in Dallas and Dallas traffic is also awful. And then, uh, and obviously being married, you have to be patient with your wife. And now we have a baby. And so I'm oh done my. praying for patience or, and now I, I'm, I'm to the point where I go, okay, help me be patient. But, but anyway, so you, uh, you, you in the point of reflection, that we were just talking about. I, I, w- whenever we look back after the season, what would be a success for you? And I, you do- also mentioned that at, at 23, you wanted to win. But now, whenever you look back after the season, if you didn't win a state championship, what would make it a successful season for you? I, I, say, I think, uh, and we talked to our players about this, that you know we might have a goal of a championship, whether it's a league championship or a state championship, and I think those are two very different things, by the way. Uh, league championships, I actually think are, uh, I, I sort of value very highly because you have to work over an extended period of time to make that happen. Uh, state championships are a totally different thing. They're, they're a one and done, and you can run into one hot pitcher, one great pitcher. It happened to us three years in a row in the state tournament. We faced three Division One draft guys three years in a row and we thought we were pretty good and we were done because we faced the wrong guy in the right in the first round and so uh if you just focus on that then most seasons are not going to be very successful if you try to mark where you are at the beginning of the year with where you are at the end of the year and you can see growth and progress as a team and you can measure that in individuals that's the success uh, it's not as much fun because you don't jump around at the end of the year and put a trophy in the case and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but especially at this level, that's what it's about. The vast majority of guys that I have on my team, this will be the last level that they ever play. And so 
how do you help them grow and how do you help them see the enjoyment in the work that will translate into all kind of lessons for, you know, that, that school is supposed to be about. Uh, and I guess I'm probably a little biased on that because I don't know if you know, but I'm the, I'm actually the principal <laughs> of the high school yes. too. Upper so, school, they call it here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and so, you know, I especially have to keep that in mind in terms of the life lessons. You know, why are we doing this? We're playing baseball. Yes, at the at the varsity level, you want to win games and excel and develop kids, but you're also doing it as part of a, an educational enterprise. Uh, to bring out the best in those in those boys that you have and and uh, teach them some things about life. Sure, and it sounds like that's something that you're very intentional about. And I would like to know, you know, from from a head coaching point of view, I I know that we can build leaders, but I want to know how you do it. That that's a that's a great question. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces to that. Uh, you know, it. it there's well, there's so many people, and I've heard yeah. I've heard so many people talking about uh, things uh, in here during this uh, convention about things that we talk about uh, communication, having some sets of, of standards, uh, listening being a huge part. Uh, there are certain things that I you know I certainly believe as a teacher and a coach that are important, and we'll lay those out. But I also give a lot of or try to give a lot of leeway to my players about, well, what do they want? What are their goals? You know, don't tell me you want to win a state championship, but you don't really want to work that hard. Right. Um, you, you know, a, a, a kind of a fun story. Uh, now, you know, last year, um, 10 minutes into the first practice, I kind of jumped my team. Yeah. Because they had spent all, all season talking about how they wanted to win the state championship. And about 10 minutes in... It wasn't anything terrible, but it was not the level of focus that you need to excel at that level. And I just told them, look, I'm going to be here next year if I want to be here. This is your time. And what do you want to do with it? And you've talked about this, and this isn't going to get you there. And that's my job is to reflect that, communicate that to you, and then say, what are we going to do about that? And to their to their credit, from that day on, they actually police themselves more than any coach ever had to. When the effort wasn't there before, I need I needed to jump in and say anything. The captains, the seniors, the leaders on the team would actually jump in and, and talk about that. And I think that came from a culture of they knew what the expectations were. They knew it was okay to push one another. It takes time to build that trust. It takes time to build those skills because. You know, you can have 14-year-olds on a, on, a, on a varsity team, a 15-year-old uh, freshman or something, and that takes time to build those skills in, in those guys. I mean, it takes a major leaguers, you know, teams time to, to do that. So to do it with high school kids in a short season is, is hard. But ultimately, those are the life skills that we're talking about. Well, it sounds like you're putting a lot of ownership on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think if, like I say, I, I think I'm there to – I know we're – where they want to go and how to get there, but I have to I have to lead them in a way where they want to do it. Uh, because if they if they don't, you know, what what are we accomplishing? I mean, it's it's uh, so it, it helps when you have when you have good players. It helps when you have good kids, um, and I think we have historically had a lot of those. Uh, but they're kids, and they and they, and they want it. They but I, what I think is interesting. People ask me all the time about you know if kids changed and things like that after coaching for 30 years. And it's in some ways, and I think people expect that to be a negative answer. 
kids work harder at baseball today. I mean, I don't have to do some of the basic stuff that, you know, we don't, we, we, we might spend five minutes talking about rundowns, you know, whereas 30 years ago, we spent a half hour, three times a week just yeah, making right. sure we got it out. Sure. The kids know that stuff. So on one hand, they actually work harder uh, in some ways, but I think they're still kids. They're, they want direction. They want guidance. They want to be pushed hard so that they can accomplish things and feel good about themselves. They may say they don't, they may push back. That's their job at 15 years yeah. old. That's what they do. And that, that's what 15 year olds have done forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I, you know, I'm not 15. And if you tell me I have to do all this hard work, I'm not sitting there <laughs> jumping up and down. Absolutely. But if somebody helps me understand how it's going to make me better or how it's going to accomplish something, then I'm in. And I have to do that as a principal with my faculty. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, we're, I don't just tell <laughs> sure. them what do this. It's what can make us better? How can we be better with the boys? And then let's work together to make that happen. How can I help? What can you do? It's just another kind of team, really. Right. And you don't have to answer this, but I can only imagine who's harder to deal with at times. But there is one thing that that I wanted to leave our guests with. And and there was an article about that that was about you that I found. And you talked about the mental aspect is what separates baseball teams at the high school level. What does that mean? I think, uh, and again, there's been been a couple of folks who've touched on it already at the convention. It's um, it's understanding what you can do and what you can't do and also when to do it. This might be an easy way to explain it. For, for years, we've had a number one on our practice shirts on the sleeve. And we came up with that a number of years ago because I realized that in the, in the moments of crisis, when something was happening, kids could get overwhelmed because they're thinking about three different things. You know, mm-hmm. I struck out, therefore I'm embarrassed. I let the team down next time I have to hit, you know, a home run 400 feet uh, or whatever. Or I made an error and now I got to throw the ball that much harder and they throw it in the stands. And and one became sort of a touchstone for how we want to approach the game. And that's one pitch at a time. You know, we're, we're down a couple of runs. We can't score seven right now. Mm-hmm. So have a good approach to one pitch. Have one good at bat. Have a good inning. You know, build on the ones instead of letting all this other stuff overwhelm you, you can't do all those things. You can only do one thing. Mm-hmm. You can only hit the next pitch that's coming in. You can only catch the next ball coming at you. And I think that's something that we've really helped the kids do is slow the game down and, and, and mentally, and then do the basic thing. Um, we don't spend a lot of time. On, we don't have the time to have, you know, six bunt plays and mm-hmm. pickoff plays and things like this. Where's the ball? getting out <laughs> yeah i like that that's very simple yeah well, tony, absolutely <laughs> well tony i appreciate your time and i'm sure you left us with a lot of nuggets but uh again thank you for being on not at all appreciate it thank you coach tomlin welcome thanks uh well good morning to you and so let's let's talk a little bit about uh liberty christian and something that uh i really want to ask you is so you you played in the major leagues for a little while coached in the major leagues for a little while what's something that you brought back from the major leagues to high school coaches and your program in general well it's um main thing is is what i learned with experience about you know certainly the game um and uh, you know being able to to help kids uh, Mm -hmm. reach their goal playing in the big leagues and uh, and, uh, you know i had tremendous opportunity with the pirates to 
to, to be able to play um, during some great years with them and, and also was able to coach in the Washington Nationals organization mm-hmm. um, as a pitching coach and uh, was able to, you know, be able to invest time with with guys and, and hopefully help them. Um, the main thing is, <clears throat> you know, I, I played at every level and I've, and I've coached at every level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been able to make an impact and, and just bring to the guys some somewhat of a you know you can do it type of attitude. Um, if you have a dream, you can work hard. And you can. You can try to be the best you can be, and uh, we'll work together to try to get you the, all the tools that you need mm-hmm. to, uh, to to accomplish that. And uh, you know, I'm just uh, mainly showing guys that uh, you know, they they can reach their dreams. Definitely, and and I think it's really neat that you're kind of the living example of what most baseball players want to get to. Because again, you played at every level, you played at the highest level, and you coach at the highest level. Is that something that? I don't want to say you get instant buy-in, but you get a lot of street cred for that. Well, I, I do, but that's uh, you know I'm I'm such you no know, a lot has been given to me. Mm-hmm. I've had great opportunities, so, you know, to, 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 to play and to coach with the Nationals Nationals organization. <clears throat> I was able to go to um, big league camp as an instructor and be able to. They gain a lot of experience mm-hmm. as a coach there, and, and uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it's been an awesome. Sure. Now, besides obviously size, strength, and ability, what would you say the biggest difference between you know playing at a, a very high level and you know a lot of the major league, minor league guys that you're with, and then a lot of the different high school kids? Because we've got a lot of high school kids that are very good, very physical, and very talented. But what's kind of the separator between? The guys that are that are elite, and then or the guys, yeah, the guys that are elite, and then the guys that don't quite make it. Uh, there's, <clears throat> well, there's a couple of things. I think uh, <clears throat> with that, um, when I tell my my kids all the time that uh, you know talent uh, is, is you have talent, mm-hmm. and okay, it's what you do with it. And uh, really, I think the separator in most most cases with that um, is uh, passion with limited. Uh, talent mm-hmm. uh, will outwork talent with only passion. Sure. You know, uh, but we got to have a passion for it. And the separator as you climb is, um, is kind of gravitates towards towards those that are going to grind it out mm-hmm. and be consistent and, and stay tough mentally. Right. Yeah, baseball will beat you down. Yeah, it does. And the higher you go, the the it, the separator is who can adjust better and who can who can, who can stay within themselves and, and compete. Mm-hmm. You know, at the high school level, kids are trying to figure out who they are. Sure. Um, they're they're um, trying to you know, work to be as best they can be. You know, who am I? Who am I as a young man? Mm-hmm. Which is a great part of the, of the their lives is yeah definitely to uh, you know with their character making an impact in their life and, mm-hmm. and also in, in a way um, kind of steering them and helping them to understand who they are as a person and the same as a baseball player mm-hmm. uh, taking their tools and evaluating who they are and getting a plan to help them develop and and then try to get opportunities for them. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, something that you mentioned that 
really stands out, and that's I guess consistency. Would that be would that be kind of what you're getting at? It's just yeah. being able to stay in the middle instead of riding the highs and then going all the way low. Sure, um, mainly because baseball, you're, you're you feel like you're right all the time, but we have to at least mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, inside have the confidence to feel like we're on top all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because baseball will beat you down if you let it. And we have to be mentally tough to believe in who we are and trust their skills. And we just go out and keep playing, keep grinding, mm-hmm. and keep working. And <coughs> being consistent is, is better than, you know, getting too high when you're going good and mm-hmm. crashing when you're going bad. Right. You know, uh, you just try to. Stay on that, that even, uh, even feel, and uh, ultimately you want to keep learning. But, uh, you're never, you know, never as good as you think you are when you're going good, and you're as bad as you think you are when you're going bad. But uh, keeping the mindset of how can I improve every day, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then it's a gradual improvement process. Cool. No, I, I think that you're absolutely correct there and you know it, it's something that that i've tried to do myself and that's just compound days and just to get a little bit better every single day and and i feel like you know if we are trying to get better and most of the coaches that are here and most of the coaches that are, that are listening to the podcast are doing that i think it, it really sets the tone for them too because i think if we're doing that then it just shows them we're not just stuck where we're at and and, and we want them to get better that's why we're getting better is that how you feel oh yeah absolutely they you know they're looking to you for for leadership and guidance, and, mm-hmm. and in every way, you know, they're going to follow you. And you come there with the attitude of, like, we're going to work together. And I'm here, I'm prepared today, and mm-hmm. prepared for you, going to help you. And showing up every day to work hard, and, and that, that set the example for them. Because if you, if you expect it for them, then you got to do it yourself. Definitely, I, I firmly believe in that. And and so before, uh, before we, I let you off the hook, so this is the first annual VBCA convention, and, and you know Tim has done an outstanding job of getting a lot of great coaches here, such as yourself. And so, if, is there anything else that you'd like to offer these guys, or just any of our listeners, about you know just anything in baseball in general? It could be something with the convention, or it just could be some advice that you were given that you could share with us. Well, I, I, I think I should think mainly with the VBCA starting off. I think it's. It's an it's a awesome opportunity for those coaches in the state mm-hmm. to, to connect and to, uh, to support each other and unite <clears throat> and, uh, you know, to, to have the resources to, to grow as, as coaches, mm-hmm. uh, both learning and also friendship, keep friendships and, and uh, you know, just <clears throat> being able to, to have that. You know, and also great learning opportunities that are going to arise, and mm-hmm. just that great resource that provide. You know, and then the other is for your kids to understand that that if you, you have a dream, <coughs> pursue that dream with all you all you have. And, you know, I was one of those that was told that I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I'd never make it to the big leagues. I'd never play with older, you know, kids old better, bigger, stronger, faster, but I was smaller. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always said, yes, I can. Yeah. And I uh, pursued that with, with all my heart. And uh, I've been very blessed by, by the Lord to be able to do what He's done. And, you know, I'm so thankful for Him giving me that opportunity. 
the more help with many kids as I can. Mm-hmm. And certainly come with the BBCA here. It's a great opportunity for me as, as a coach to continue to learn and, and give, uh, give my kids the opportunity that I had. Sure. Well, I actually, I lied because I just thought of another question for you. And we talked earlier uh, or yesterday about, uh, you know, where you're coming from and that you're with the Pirates for a little while. And you mentioned that you were with Barry Bonds for a couple of years who, you know, regardless of, of our opinion, is, is definitely one of the greatest baseball players to, to ever walk the earth. You know, what did, besides, again, talent and physicality, what did he do really well maybe day in and day out that nobody else did? And what really set him apart? Well, Barry would tell you, you know, he believed in himself. Okay. He, he believed he was the best and knew he was the best. <laughs> that goes a long way. And, um, you know, showed up saying he's the best. Yeah. And certainly he, he was gifted beyond most people can understand um, as a hitter and as a player. But he, he, he had a firm belief in himself mm-hmm. and that he, that he was the greatest. Uh, certainly on the field, he was certainly one of the greatest. Uh, I enjoyed playing with him. Mm-hmm. Got the opportunity to play with him three years. And got to watch him every day and, and I'm just, just amazed at what he could do. Definitely. Well, Randy. I learned a lot from him, too. Yeah. Um, that I, you know, I, I never just sat there and watched the game. Mm-hmm. I watched the game. I talked to the guys because I wanted to understand how they did it. They, they did. Mm-hmm. And won. Um, I got the opportunity to work out with him during the, during the winter. I talked hitting a lot. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to understand it. Because it's my job to get hitters out. Sure. So I wanted to yeah. talk some things with him and understand you know, what kind of little bit of what he's doing. I could, even then, I, I didn't understand a lot of what he's talking about. Yeah. I, do, I do now. But, mm-hmm. but it helped me to understand the mentality of hitters and, and uh, learn, learn swings uh, so that I could apply that in my pitch. I take a lot of what I learned from him and apply it. And what would what would a couple of those things be? Well, he, you know, he was great on working on timing. He was working really strong on and Barry was very observant. It was one of the things I told the guys. The other team, the other people, will tell you what they're going to do. They'll tell you what they're going to do before you do it. You got to learn to observe. So I kind of coach on that philosophy: observe, interpret, and apply. Look at everything, take it all in, you know, interpret it, and then we apply it. And that helps us in every part of our game. And he's really good at knowing that opposing pitcher. And uh, would often be walking through the dugout saying, This is what he's throwing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just, That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, as well as I had a tremendous opportunity to look at Tim Leland as a manager and play for him and, uh, you know, understand and manage the game and dealing with players, all players, the whole roster and learn a tremendous amount from him as well. Well, Randy, it's, it truly has been a pleasure, and I, I think that some of the, the information that you just shared will, will resonate with a lot of different people, but I just, you know, I wanted to say thank you again, and appreciate you being on the show. Thanks.
to go to the playoffs each year is you need to have a, a lot of good players. And we've been fortunate over the years to get a lot of students who are interested in coming to our school. We're an all-boys Catholic military school. You don't get that combination a whole lot anymore these days. Uh, but we have a bunch of kids who want to come in and play all kinds of sports. And because we're small enough, you can play a couple different sports at the same time. Uh, you know, play football in the fall and play baseball in the spring. But we've had a lot of great players. And then I think one of the big things that we've always tried to do to try to attract players is we've played a really competitive schedule. We play a lot of games. Uh, generally, we'll schedule about 30 or 32 games. And we'll try to play as many of the tough teams around the state. And I think players like to see that. I think their parents like to see that, that if we have an opportunity to play a, a really good public school or a really good private school, we're going to try to do that. And you also mentioned that you're in a really competitive private school district in Richmond. And I, I just want to know, you know, you're, you're drawn from the same kids and you guys are competing with each other. What really sets you guys apart and how do, how have you find, and we, we talked earlier uh, with uh, Coach Stifler and he said, we got to find our different, like what do we do well that we can still compete against guys on a national level? And then for you guys in your district, what do you guys do well? And that's kind of what sets you apart from everybody else. Well, the truth of the matter is that we've got five private schools in our immediate Richmond area that play either Division Two or Division One, the top two divisions okay. of private schools in our state. And I can honestly tell you that all five coaches are tremendous. Mm. All their schools are tremendous. And I say great things about those guys because I'm really good friends with all those guys. We do mm. want to beat each other. There's no doubt about that. Sure. But we, we enjoy comp competing against each other, and we respect each other's programs. And I think that's pretty rare. Uh, in our area. You don't see that all the time across mm -hmm. our state or other states where you, you have teams that respect each other so much. So how are we different? I, I mentioned that we're an all-boys military school. Mm -hmm. uh, our kids have to have haircuts. Uh, nice. They have to have them nice and tight sometimes. Uh, and there's no well. girls. Yeah, it's not... <laughs> Not not by rule, but right, since, yeah, uh, yeah. but I do like to keep it short too. But uh, we don't have girls at our school, so yeah. I mean that's that's Less really the first check in the box. And sometimes I'll tell folks that look, you know, if, if you're looking at any of our private schools in our area, don't look at at it for baseball first. Look at it for the school. It's almost like a college choice, mm -hmm. uh, and in a way, you're you're doing that anyways as a parent. You're looking at should we send our kid to private school? So you're making a choice. And we've got five great options right in our immediate area with really good baseball. Um, on the field, I'd like to think some of the things that we try to do, and I don't want to say it's necessarily different from our, our rivals and peers, uh, we, we really focus on fundamentals. Mm -hmm. We really do. I know it sounds a little bit old school, but uh, in working a lot, and we've had a lot of players, I think 50 players over my 15 years have gone on to play college baseball. Awesome. It's pretty much 50-50, whether it's D1 or D3. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the two most popular options in Virginia. Okay. And what ends up happening, we work really hard on the fundamentals. The college coaches, uh, they know that our players are going to be well-schooled. They're going to know how to play the game. And we also are pretty old school in saying, look, we, we need to field the baseball first. Mm. We need to throw strikes. We need to put the ball in play. And that's how we're going to be able to put pressure on teams and win some games. Very cool. And so, you know, I – being as, as successful as you have been, whenever you get done with the season, we all reflect and we all are trying to find something to add to our program. And we want to look back and, and say, we could have done this a little bit better or, or whatnot. But what do you find that makes a successful year? 
And you mentioned last year you guys went 24 and three, and and you guys are playing a, a ton of a ton of really hard games. But when you look back on your program and you say, okay, this was a really successful year, uh, winning a state championship or not, this is what made us successful. What would some of those things be? Well, we start off with some goals. We do have some team goals at the beginning of the year, and there's some smaller ones that hopefully get to some of those bigger ones. So okay. we we do want to try to win Richmond, as we call it. We we'd like to beat our rivals and yeah. try to be in there because in our state rankings, we know if we have a couple wins over them, them then we likely will be ahead of them in the poll or mm-hmm. assure ourselves a spot. Our state tournament has nine teams that make it. The 8-9 game is a play-in to play the number one seed, so mm-hmm. you have to be ranked in the top nine. In our division, there's about 16 or 18 teams, so that's that's the ultimate goal for us is that I want to be somewhere in that top eight, top well, t- now top nine since we went to that a couple years ago, but okay. preferably in the top seven so you don't have sure. to play that 8-9 play-in game. And I, I've always felt that as as long as we're in that tournament, we have a chance to win it. And we okay. played in the title game, I think, four or five times in my 15 years. We've won twice, but the other three times, only once were we really kind of the team to beat. Hmm. A couple times we snuck in the back door and just got hot at the right time. So the team that beat us last year, uh, we had a remarkable year. We're 24-2 and two going into the playoffs mm-hmm. with one loss to our rival, St. Christopher's, and mm-hmm. we had given them their only loss. And I think all bets would have been on that Benedictine and St. Chris were going to face each other one final time in the final. Mm-hmm. However, we ran into the team that got hot in Norfolk Academy right. down near the beach, uh, pitched the heck out of it against us, the number two seed, and against the number three seed, and ended up going to the championship game against St. Christopher's. So um, when we reflect, we look back, you know, did we accomplish our goals? Mm-hmm. And our goals don't start with state, or they don't really necessarily end with state titles. We don't really talk about that. Uh, what is cool is our final four is played in kind of an old stadium that's down a little bit south of Richmond. And that is kind of where I end the goals. Mm-hmm. I always think it's great if you can get to the final four and play in that atmosphere, win or lose at that point the rest mm-hmm. of the way. I think that's one hell of a season. Uh, this year, you kind of take it back a step and say, you know what, we didn't make it to that final four, so we didn't make that goal. Mm-hmm. However, when you can go 24 and three and right, beat yeah. some of the best teams from around the state, public or private, mm-hmm. uh, that was one hell of a year. And we've, we've never had a year like that in my 15 years. Definitely, because you said you schedule everybody and you'll play anybody and everybody anywhere, and I and I really like that uh, competitive aspect of it. But if you're if you're looking at success off the field, uh, do you guys have like some core values or some pillars in your program that you try and instill with every single class or with every single class that comes through for sure? So our school is based on you know military mm-hmm. and based on religion mm-hmm. and based on academic rigor. So we get some of those pillars already, often like a private school does. I think the thing that makes us unique is you get that military. Inherently, you get leadership. Sure. And so okay. what we try to do is feed into that, and we try to make sure that these guys are, are continuing their growth to become leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, I get more excited about hearing about our guys when they get a job. You know, five years after college, you know, that they're having a baby or getting mm-hmm. married or stuff like that. And understanding that these guys are growing up and, and living productive lives and being valuable members of their community. Uh, we do a lot of community service. Every holiday, our guys are out there ringing bells for the Salvation Army. Cool. Uh, we're out there doing a lot of different things in our community to try to instill in them that uh, baseball is going to end. Mm-hmm. We hear that often. It's ended for both of us, right? And we Absolutely. get to come back and coach. And that's right. how we kind of continue our love of the game. But it's going to end at some point. 
and we want them to be able to understand that you need to be able to do more with your life and your academics matter mm-hmm. and your relationships matter mm-hmm. and hopefully your community matters wherever you choose to live we want our guys to be productive in that community well fantastic now you so one of my favorite questions for the podcast and it's something that i just you know stumbled upon one day and we're, we're in it for the players that's literally the entire reason we, why we are coaches at least most most good good ones anyways but I, I always ask, uh, what is your favorite player favorite thing your players do in practice? So, Coach Ryan, if you showed up and you said, hey, guys, we're doing this today, they get so excited. You know, what would that thing be? I was actually just thinking of that and trying to figure out how, what are some of the fun things that we do. We, uh, it depends sometimes on the team, though. Mm-hmm. So you, you sometimes get guys who, for whatever reason, it's a closer team or maybe you've got a bigger group of seniors. Uh, at one of these clinics like this, I, I learned a drill called do the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it can be called other things, but it's where you set the situation and it's kind of a live BP, live defense, live everything. And we reward points, offense, defense, everything. And mm-hmm. uh, the kids get pretty involved in it. They can start yeah. talking to each other. Sure. I think that's one of the things that they like to do. Sometimes we'll try to simulate, you know, an end of game situation where, you know, you pull the infield in and you set it up and, you know, you winning runs on second base and so mm-hmm. hit get the game winning hit you know yeah. you get to celebrate get sure. the game winning strikeout you get selling and so <laughs> we try to <laughs> encourage cool. them to have some fun with it but i think do the job is one of the ones that they really like cool. uh coach cassidy uh cam cassidy is one of my coaches who's going to be working with the charlottesville tom Sox here a summer league team in the valley league of, uh here in virginia and mm-hmm. he has come up a lot with just a lot of multi-purpose drills that are fast-paced and the kids like that but it is fun when we do do the job and you know that a team has 21 and the team's on 20 and they've got three batters left and they got to figure out a way to get a point nice are they going to get it or is the defense going to get a a defensive point Mm -hmm. to win the game so cool they tend to have a lot of fun with that anything we can do to, to make it more competitive i'm i'm all in because you know the game is and are, are we reflecting our practices like that? So, Well, and I'll say this, too, that it, you grow as a coach, and through events like this, you grow, you hear different things. Mm-hmm. I think also as you get older, I think, at least for me, I tend to mellow. I have mellowed over the years. Maybe some of that comes with better players or more successful players or uh, maybe a record like last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't really get too upset when your team is sitting there winning 15 in a row to start the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had to find some reasons to, you know, seem like we were mad. It, all, it felt like because sure, you know yeah. you're, you're rolling through the season, and uh, I think over the years though we've kind of also or I've kind of mellowed out a little bit, and you just kind of let things go, and you start looking for things to reward instead of punish. Mm-hmm. And I think earlier in my career, you saw everything that the team did wrong, mm-hmm. and now you know I, I kind of pick and choose my battles. If the guys are warming up wrong one day, or they're talking too much or they're screwing around too much you can either say you know what we can jump on them now at the beginning of practice and set the tone Mm -hmm. for the rest of the day and if you jump on them too too hard that day that practice is gone right or you can decide let's see where we are in about 30 minutes and see if these guys get it together and if they're they're past screwing around if we just let them be kids and that's maybe the thing that i've learned the most i mean i've coached now for 17 years in high school you know this age group i really love coaching this age group Mm -hmm. and you do have to sometimes 
check yourself when you go in and say, I'm about to deal with a bunch of teenagers mm -hmm. and understand they're going to screw up right? and they're going to screw around and they're going to want to talk about girls. They're going to want to talk about a teacher at school that day and they're going to they're gonna be kids. And right. So I think I've gotten better over the years at remembering that, you know what, I'm going to let these guys be kids today. Mm -hmm. Inside, I might be getting to a boiling point, but I'm going to just let them be kids. And then you come back and, and pick your pick your battles when you want to make a point of, of pointing out that they're doing something wrong or, or choose that moment when you say, you know what, they're just kids and it's not hurting anything right now. Let's just let them be kids. Definitely. And that's... Uh, you you struck a chord with me because that's something that I'm that I'm trying to learn too, and that I guess patience. And they've been cooped up in a classroom all day, and you know, like like you said, being able to flip that switch is is important. But Coach Ryan, I appreciate you spending some time with us, and I I want to open up the mic to you know either tell our listeners or kind of our audience out here uh, just any any words of advice or just anything that you'd like to tell them before we go. No, I really appreciate it. I, I think the only advice really I have for, for the coaches out there is to do stuff like this. And, and one thing I've learned over the years is that when you have a coach here, especially from a college, who says, hey, you can reach out to me anytime. You can uh, ask me questions. I've always found the college coaches to be so receptive to answer questions and get back in touch with you and talk with you. So I, I think just trying to feed off of the coaching community as much as you can you know that that that's very helpful and has always been helpful to me definitely and something that i've learned with interviewing all, almost 100 people now is that no matter the level baseball coaches are all the same that's how i feel anyways i don't know if, if you run into that as well but again thanks for being on the show and, and i loved our conversation and and i hope you did as well jonathan thanks so much really appreciate you being here jeff welcome happy to be here Definitely. So you just got done off the stage for for essentially preaching for an hour and a half, and then you decided to come over here and talk with me. Happy to do it, man. I'm excited. I'm really excited as well. And so you've you've kind of made your name on the summer ball scene with the Canes, and now you're getting into the high school game. You just got a head coaching job, I guess, this year. Yep. And so I want to start off with what are you going to do in your first year and implement in your program? Well, um, so I took the job last May and okay, sure. um, you know, knew I was going to take it. I think June is when it finally everything got finalized. And when school started, we started doing workouts. Uh, we're working out Monday through Thursday before school um, at 6 a.m. So we lift at 6 a.m. and the kids you know, shower at school and, and they go off to class. We hit – well, in the fall on Mondays, we had uh, scrimmages at 6 o'clock on Monday nights against the local academy. Okay. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we hit after school. Um, got real lucky, hired a really good staff around me. Uh, Chris Stowe, who was a first-round pick in 95 by the Expos. He owns a local academy in Fredericksburg, Virginia, just an okay. outstanding baseball coach mm -hmm. and a great human being. Uh, Cody Wheeler, who was an All-American at Coastal Carolina, left-handed pitcher, mm -hmm. um, actually played for me with the Canes in our early years. Okay. Pitched for Team USA, uh, made it to AAA with the Orioles. He lives locally. He's going to be our pitching coach. And then a former player of mine who played um, at Pitt Community College in High Point, Cam Cable. So there's the four of us coaching this team. And I, I really believe that you got to have good assistance to do it Absolutely. right. You know, you can't do it all on your own. So we got real lucky there. But, you know, just I was saying it in there in the, when we were doing the breakout in the panel, 
I really kind of entrenched myself in this training stuff and challenging myself to do just different things on a daily basis. You see all these Omaha challenges mm-hmm. on Twitter and stuff sure. and Instagram by these highly touted college programs. And uh, I think fortunately we're in baseball, right? Baseball coaches are, are known for sharing their information. Football Definitely. coaches a lot of times kind of keep it close to the vest. But, right. you know, I'll reach out to some of these baseball coaches and say, hey, you know, how many reps are you doing on that sled pull? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what's your breakdown on that? And, you know, why why are you doing these ropes? And why are you doing it at that angle? And, and just different things and asking questions and kind of putting it together, you know, for myself. But it's been a lot of fun. Definitely. And so – I, I, I want to know so so let's get let's fast forward to the season you guys play very well let's say you know the ultimate goal is to win a state championship I mean that's everybody's goal but let's say you may fall short what would make a season successful in your eyes if you didn't accomplish that well we're we're trying to go in there and change the culture of this baseball program sure. at, at Fredericksburg okay. Christian mm-hmm. um, also it's a faith based school you know we want to uh, empower these kids in their faith. Uh, probably first and foremost, we want to empower their faith. Um, baseball will be a second. Um, we want to be competitive. There's no doubt about it. We want to teach these kids that, you know, we want to win and we want to compete. And I think that we've got to kind of really challenge ourselves to get better on the daily basis. And it's, it's been a challenge. I won't lie. You know, there's on average, we've about, got about seven to eight kids showing up every day, which is nice, but there's, there's some kids not coming. And then when they show up in February, and that's what they're used to, right, you know, just definitely. showing up in February with a glove and a bat, and I'm ready to go. No, actually, you're not ready to go. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, we had an analogy the other day with the guys. Um, we worked out really hard this week. And I told them, I said, you know, next week we start hitting after school Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, that's when I can get the facility. But you can – I think the membership there is like $29 a month, and it's key code. Mm-hmm. It's open 24 hours. It's awesome. I said, pay the $29 and go in there on your own another three times a week. So the season starts in 10 weeks, let's say. Let's say you go in there on your own an additional three times a week in the two, the two we're hitting. Mm-hmm. 10 times three, do the math. Right. Are you going to be better off in that scenario when we play our first game or we have our first practice? You hit all those times during the course of the winter than if you – just hit twice a week, or you're the other guy who's not showing up at all. Definitely, yeah. Um, and, and we're just trying to change that culture. That we're going to work hard, and we're going to cha- we're going to challenge ourselves, and we're really going to embrace getting better. Mm-hmm. Baseball is a game where you have to work at it. You have to. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I I was a a poor ten year old player that my dad really pushed me to work hard, and then all of a sudden, by the time I was twelve, I was a really good little league player and so forth, and worked myself. I worked really hard to be the player that I was in high school. And um, got to go on and play in college and things. But I just want the kids to work hard, you know, and and, and, and then and that will carry on in life. You know, when they're not – I told them the other, I told the kids this week, I'm like, you know, there's probably not a big leaguer in this huddle right now, mm-hmm. you know, but all of you guys can be successful and take this work ethic to, to whatever you do next in life. Well, and your summer ball team, let's, let's talk about the Canes a little bit. You guys have had – more people was it drafted or Division One in any summer ball program? Because I saw the stat the other day, but I can't remember which one was it. Do you remember which one it was? I don't know. I mean, I know uh, we had 140 kids sign scholarships in the early signing that, period from just this last that's, senior that, class alone. That's crazy. That's well, crazy. we've been fortunate. There's no question. We got a lot of great people that are involved in the program. 
um, you know, over 100 draft picks, I think almost 20 first rounders. But awesome. you know, we've been lucky and, um, you know, we've we've had some great players, you know, gravitate to us. Mm-hmm. I like to think that, you know, when we get the kids, we do put them in situations to get better. Just the competition that we face alone. I, I'm a believer that if you play baseball at a high level and compete against better competition, you're going to get better. Um, and then we, we really put a premium on family and really making these kids feel like we care about them and that it's, you know, we, we stay under one roof with, with our club that I have and we, we eat meals together. We go do things together as a club. Um, we really try to get it to where, you know, we love each other mm-hmm. and we, when we got each other's backs and, and I think when that, when you get on the field and you really feel like that these guys are your brothers and that the coach would do anything for you and he actually cares about you and it's, it's just not all about winning a baseball game, man, kids see through that stuff and right. you're not going to get the buy-in that you want. Well, and it sounds like you guys are not only getting good players, you're also developing players in the summer. And so can you tell us a little bit about how you do do that? Because you don't get them seven days a week or at least five days a week like most high school programs get them. So how are you doing? Sure. No, that's a great question. And uh, we take a lot of pride in that. So we, we come in a day early everywhere we go. So and then. We have a team meeting. I have a, I have a full-time strength and conditioning coach on the road with us in the summer. His name is cool. Josh Wright. He's out of Southern California. He's outstanding. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a big Eric Cressy disciple. You know, he he's really inept in that in that way, but he's also got his own twists and turns that he does on things. But our okay. kids love him. They they'd run through a brick wall for him. And um, that's given us a chance for our kids to work out on the road. Um, but we always come in a day early and we, we put in a thorough practice. You know, we're not just slapping the lineup on the board and saying, Hey, go get them. I mean, we, we do first, we do all our first and third coverages and our bunk coverages and we work on picks and we worked on time picks and we, we, we work on how we're going to throw behind runners with our catcher and backing up bases. Mm-hmm. And we talk about these things and, we, and then also on game day, you know, with uh, most travel teams, the games at two. Hey, games at uh, two. Show up at the field at one. Right. Uh, you look over, and there might be kids flipping each other front toss. Well, we're we're, we're fortunate. I mean, we've found a way to fundraise and and invest and, and do different things and and twist our money to where we can have a bus. So we have a charter bus, and the Very games cool. at two. We have a team meal, you know, at ten thirty, and then we get on the bus at quarter till 11 and then we charter off site and we take an on-field batting practice we Sounds get a like good football. stretch right and our infielders get hundreds of ground balls we roll double plays we get a feel for each other so then when we get off the bus at the game site man our my infi- my shortstop's taking 100 ground balls mm-hmm. you know we've, we've we've already rolled 20 25 double play balls and um so then, you know, the ball gets hit to them in the first inning, and it's not the first ball they've seen all day. Like and that's that a, a common yeah. thread in, in travel baseball. So I think that you give them that experience every day. You know, we play uh, almost 40 games in the summer, 60, you know, over the course of like 62 days. You know, it's not a lot of days off there. And, you know, I think all those reps and then we'd throw in Josh in there. And we're also right. very well staffed. Um, if uh, our coaching staff, I think there's almost uh, 150 high or I forget what it was, 150 – there was 1,500 high school wins wow. between our coaching staff. That's not – I don't have one high school win. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, Tim Lowry coached for 33 years, I believe, and Coach Connor, 30-plus. He's won 500 games. Mm-hmm. Coach Lowry, almost 500. <laughs> Coach Mills has uh, been coaching for, I think, 20-something years. He's won two state titles in North Carolina. And uh, Coach Willoughby down in uh, 
Fayetteville, North Carolina. You know, I've been coaching for a lot of a lot of years, made the playoffs several times. So that's fantastic. Just great coaches around these kids. So it's not one coach every fifteen players. You know, there's actually and then we just required we got Coach Tomlin, Randy Tomlin's gonna be on the road with us this summer. Cool. Yes, I mean he's an outstanding coach, obviously lots of experience. So we're just trying to make it, you know, where we have a coach every five, six players. Well that sounds sign me up. I'm ready. But <laughs> love to have you. Yeah. But so I it, with summer ball, it's really enjoyable for the kids because let's be honest, they don't have to go to class. Right. And over time, whenever you're getting a hundred ground balls like you're talking about before, they're compounding that over the summer. And you know, my worry as a high school coach is the show and go teams that show up and they're just they're playing, which they're getting better. But we we get them in back, you know, in in August or September, and they they have forgotten some of the fundamentals because they are just playing. And so I want to know, and this is just personally speaking for me, I that we can't blame the kids for preferring something over the other whenever we pit everybody against each other. So I'm talking about high school, college, summer ball, facility guys, and they so they want to get better outside of just our realm. And as a high school coach, we get done at 6 o'clock, we want to go see our family. The kids may want to go hit with somebody. And so I need to do a better job of communicating with either their facility uh, guy, their, their trainers, or even their summer ball coaches about how they're progressing, what we saw, what we can add to that, and, and just have an open line of communication because the player just wants to get better. Right. And, you know, again, if we pit them against each other and their parents, they've got five different voices that they're listening to, and they have to choose one. Right. And so what's your best advice on how we can kind of bridge that gap between all of those or even, like, you know, just between you and I, just from the summer ball programs to the high school programs? Man, what a great question. We talk about that all the time within, you know, our Canes program. And I'm starting to see it as a high school coach. You know, let's face it. I mean, there's lazy travel ball coaches. There's lazy high school coaches. Absolutely. Um, you got the guy that cares about his kid. So, you know, a, a high school coach that cares about his players, he's going to get in touch with – he's going to probably have a say and place his mm-hmm. player on what travel team that he feels is going to take care of his player mm-hmm. um, and communicate, get out, get out there and work, be an advocate for your player. Because American mm-hmm. Legion is not – really prevalent anymore right. it used to be you're the high school coach i know my best players or all my players are going to go play legion or junior mm-hmm. legion well that's not happening anymore all these kids are all over the place the easy thing to do as a high school coach is just to say i'm gonna throw my hands up in the air i don't know where they're going to play i don't care i'm gonna sit back and i'm just gonna talk negatively about whatever situation they're in mm-hmm. the harder thing to do and there's more effort like you just said is Get in touch with their pitching instructor. Can y'all get synced up? Get in touch with the guy he's paying to. You might not like that he's paying somebody to work with him hitting, but you know, get in touch with that guy. And maybe you guys can get synced up. Um, get in touch with the travel coach and say, "Hey, coach, uh, my lefty threw seventy-five innings this uh, this spring. I really would like to see him only throw twenty this summer. Right. Can you make that happen?" And when he throws him forty. Don't let your kid go back there the next year. Or, hey, I had a sophomore that pitched for me this year. He was behind two seniors. He's really good. He can pitch. He only threw 13 innings this year. Can you get that kid a lot of work Mm -hmm. this summer? Is there any way we can make sure this kid's starting and going four or five innings at a clip and not coming out of the bullpen and throwing two innings? And that stuff Mm -hmm. happens. Then all of a sudden you're the high school coach and you're really becoming – 
you're communicating and you're trying to look after the kid and, and you know and you know what's going on. It's, it's harder to do that, but it is harder. It would be nice to see that more. And and not to I'll, I'll play devil's advocate. No, please. Because, you know, we have almost over 50 players in our program and it's really hard to figure out where they're all going. But I and I, this needs to be from everyone, from sure. everyone's perspective. Because again, if we've got the kid in mind, we need to do a better job of reaching out. But even if just the summer coach said, "Hey, coach," I mean, that would mean so much to me. If right. if a summer coach said, "Hey, I've got your kid this summer. What can I do to help you? Or what can what does he do well? Uh, what positions can I put him at that would help you?" Because I agree. 100%. Because summer, summer is great. I mean, they, we want to put their best foot forward in the summer because the college coaches get to see that. And then, then when we get them in the spring, we, I mean, it, just from my perspective, we we want to win a state championship in the summer, get exposure and win games in the process. But that just, add, you know, you talked about the hundred ground ball compound effect. That's just going to do the same thing if right. if they reach out as well. And I think most high school coaches would really appreciate that. You aren't kidding. And just so you know, I mean, we do a lot of that. Are we That's perfect? Awesome. At, are we perfect at it? Absolutely not. But if you look at our organization from South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, um, where, where the core of our program is, if let's say we have fifty coaches that coach in our program, mm-hmm. I don't have this in front of me, but I would say forty of them are head varsity high school coaches. Mm-hmm. My point to that is, is those coaches are friends with the coaches of the program that these kids are coming from. It's a network type thing. I'll give you an example. Brian Hux, probably one of the best high school coaches in the state of South Carolina, head coach at Lexington High School right outside of Columbia, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. He coaches in our program, highly regarded coach. The team he inherits in the summer, he knows every single high school coach of the kids that are on his team. That's unbelievable. And I guarantee you he's in contact with those with those coaches throughout the spring mm-hmm. asking them how so and so doing and and he's probably reaching out to them in the summer. Not probably, I guarantee it. He's yeah. reaching out to them during the summer saying Hey, so and so's really had a great summer or he's struggling with this. What did you see in the spring? Those type of conversations are happening all the time in our program. And and do we need to get better? It almost needs to be in our handbook what you just said. And it was, if you're going to be the head coach of this central 16-year-old Canes team, which for clarification, that's our team from North Carolina at the 16-year-old division. If you're going to be the head coach of that team, it is your job to find out who the head coach is of each kid on this roster, and you need to reach out to them. That needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And that might be something we implement. I mean, we're doing it, but I'm not, you know, standing on the treetops and saying you have to do this. And I think that that's the next step. Um, I really do. Right. And just to, you know, as a revolution here, you know, going back to kind of where we started, it's for us being able to open those doors and to communicate, whether it's from whichever side, it's only going to make the player better. I mean, it it really is because if I'm communicating with you, I'm telling you how he did in the high school season. He doesn't have to. So then you kind of have an idea of, from a coaching standpoint, how to coach that young man. Right. And you're not going to get a lot out of the kids sometimes. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's someone said something in there that I really liked. You know, as a high school coach, bring the parents in. Mm -hmm. Like, let them know what you're about. Let them Mm -hmm. know your style of coaching. I like that. Let them know what you're doing. Because when they sit down for dinner, hey, you know, buddy, how, how was practice today? What did coach do? Eh, 
Mm. You know, you, you get nothing. You really don't get anything because kids don't. A lot of kids don't sure. talk. Right. Um, you text them though. Right. But <laughs> if you really truly care about the kid, like we all claim we do, then yeah, the travel coach needs to be better at reaching out to the high school coach, and the high school coach needs to take an active, you know, an an active play in where his kids are going. Sure. And I would I would make a statement here, and and I don't know if summer ball is. Go- Everyone keeps saying. Well, you need to get in line with summer baseball because it's not going anywhere. Well, you don't know that. It might. I mean, no one probably thought Legion ball was going anywhere 20 years ago. But I would say this. um, The coach of of the summer team, you know, needs to get – they need to get in – they need to get in that – Mm-hmm. in touch with the high school coach and yeah, the I, I and i would so. say a college coach knows where his players are playing in the summer right, they do yeah they do they go watch I mean, them they, yeah them. they know i mean my these five guys are going to the cape these four are going to the valley these three are going to the cal ripkin league or you know and that if we could almost turn it into that type mm-hmm. of deal because if you're the head coach let's say at uva mm-hmm. and coach o'connor sends one of his pitchers up to the cape league and he says hey this is what I want. I want you to throw him 20 innings. And at mm-hmm. the, at the, when that's over, I'd like him to come home. Mm-hmm. And then that coach doesn't follow through with that. Coach is probably not going to send that kid back to that coach. You know, I mean, it's maybe maybe getting on that, get it where we're doing it that way. So definitely. Well, Jeff, it's been a pleasure. And I, I want to open up the mic for you. You know, tell our listeners or, or just anybody that's here, is there anything that you want to leave them with? Well, no, I mean, just I think everything was was great. You know, with, with what we just talked about. I mean, I'm I'm excited about you know coaching this high school baseball team yeah, and best and, of luck. And, and what it you know could be and you know, it's, it's it's a different challenge. You know, being out there on a daily basis with you know kids of all different talent levels mm-hmm. and really get in there and, and actually you know and, and coach a little more. I'll be honest, you know, when when the end of October hit with the with the Canes and then I wasn't back on the field until the first of June. I mean, that was. That was a lot of months without coaching in my life. Right, you know, yeah, I, I found myself sure. going and watching a ton of college games, and I always went to spring training and walked around the ballpark like a lost puppy because I missed baseball so bad. And <laughs> I'm fortunate that my wife is, uh, you know, really supporting me. You know, sure. waking up at 4:45 in the morning every morning and getting in the car and going to workouts, and I'm not, you know, I'm not around when the kids wake up, and then. You know, when the spring sets in and practice and games, and I've got a really good support system there with her, and I'm um, just looking forward to it. Definitely. Coaches' wives are definitely the strongest wives, no, for sure. No doubt about it. But, Jeff, thanks again for being Man, on. Man, thank you so much for, uh, for, for uh, letting us. me be here. You get, you're doing some really cool stuff. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yep. Take care. Coach Forbes, welcome. Good evening. Glad to be here. Thank you. Definitely. And So, uh, whenever Tim asked me to go find you, I said, which Phil Forbes? Because apparently there's a couple on your staff and then there's one that was actually a player. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure, uh, I'm Philip Forbes III. My hitting coach, assistant coach is Philip Forbes IV. And my grandson uh, plays for me and he's Philip Forbes V and we call him P5. P5, that's, that's unbelievable. And so you're just keeping it all in the, in the family at Minchville. Well, it's been a dream. Uh, I've coached for many, many years, 34 at Menchville and 43 overall, and I still teach and coach, and I love it, enjoy it. When I started coaching, I coached football, basketball, baseball, track, wrestling. I love all sports, and baseball, I've 
only coaching now. It's all become year-round, and it's tough to be equal with all kids uh, if you just don't stick with them and you continue other sports because uh, it's uh, year-round coaching. Right, right. And, you know, the only thing that would make it better is if your wife was your first base coach. That would be fantastic. Well, my wife is a coach. When we get home, <laughs> oh, I bet. We, she critiques the game with me, and I listen and go back and try to improve. That's a sign of a good marriage. Well, yeah, we've been together since high school, and uh, I look at it like we're antiques, and we'll be antiques for life. That's fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about Menchville. And you've been wildly successful over your career. And you mentioned that you were almost 70 years old. And so I want to know, you know, for the guys out here or the, the listeners for the, to the podcast that are saying, I want that. I want to be someone like that. And, and they look up to yourself and, and people like you. What would be your best, best advice for them? Well, have fun. Be energized. I thank the good Lord every day I get out of bed. I enjoy it yeah. very, very, very much. And I, go, I look forward to going to school and seeing the students and student athletes. I'm always in the hallway greeting kids, uh, not just my athletes, but I do look after them too. Uh, I just have fun. I have good assistant coaches that have been with me a long time. Uh, they're very good coaches. They're good right arms, left arms. They believe what I believe and we have a lot of fun together and you know it's about the game of life helping these kids be successful you don't have to always be a college baseball player to play at Menchville you just got to have fun and try to be a good college or a good high school player and hopefully it leads to be a good person in life and helps you out in the game of life well and that's something that you mentioned earlier that really stood out to me you said that you had a young man who went into the Marines and he wanted to come back and talk to your classes and your your kid, your players, uh, about some of his experiences. One, I, I, like you mentioned earlier, I think that's that's the sign of a of a great young man. And two, I want to know what did he say? Well, let me start out. His name is Kyle Ortiz. Okay. He's now in the Marines. I started coaching him in travel ball at about 10 years old. And he always wanted to be a pro player, college player. And, you know, so I knew I had my work cut out for me, and I just hoped he would stay and play at Menchville when he got in high school because, as you know today, kids can go anywhere and play, and they may like you as a coach or may not like you as a coach or whatever. Well, he, he did play for us, and he was my captain, and we were prepping for him to go to college to play baseball. And then in the middle of the school year, of his senior year last year, he said, I said, well, Let's get it narrowed down to who we're, who we're going to pick. And Kyle said to me, he said, Coach, I'm not going to play college ball. I'm going to join the Marines. I was stunned. Yeah. And I said, well, all right, think about it and come back and we'll talk about it. I thought he'd come back and say baseball, you know, because yeah. we had colleges interested in him because of his ability. And so, anyways, he, the day of graduation, they were there picking him up after graduation. He didn't go to the festivities or anything, and he went on to the Marines. He came back from boot camp in September, and he came up to school, and he, well, he called first, said, can I meet you? And I said, heck yes. And he said, I want to talk to your students in the classes, and then if you could, after school, I'd like to talk to the baseball team. And I went, 
Okay. Yeah, sure. I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, that young man said, you guys all think Coach Forbes is tough and hard. He isn't. He said, just listen to him and, and, and do what he says, and he will steer you right because what I'm doing now is a lot harder. And, you know, the gentleman that talked today in there, the colonel, really touched my heart because he said, these guys volunteer. In my day, you went home and watched TV for your number to be drawn on the draft. Luckily, I wasn't. And you know what? That, that, that really hit home when he said volunteer to fight for our country and help our country and not, not go on to play baseball, which is every kid's dream. And this young man is a man. Kyle Ortiz is a man. And he's helped me understand life better just in the last year. And so I would, you know, consider every coach to understand that it's not just about baseball, it's about the game of life. Is that your measure of success whenever you've got a student who does that? And maybe, you know, maybe there's some of our tougher ones that end up being our best in the long run, but is that is that a measure of success for you whenever they do come back and they say those things? It's very heartwarming when they come back because you know that you were successful with them and they, they believed in you. And that's what's important. And I believe that's a big energizer for myself at my age. I know someday I got to walk away. I know someday I'm going to hand the reins over. And as long as I can keep helping these kids with a game of life, and I wake up every morning, sit on the edge of bed, say, thank you, Lord, for this day, and hopefully it'll be a great one, I'm going to keep going. Well, that's that's I love that. And, you know, one question that I want to leave, because I think that this is a really good reflection question, and I think that it's something that, that we always are looking back and saying, hey, I wish I had done this a little bit different. So if you could go back and you could talk to your first, first yourself as a head coach, what would you tell yourself? Winning is it most important on the field. It's winning in the heart of the kids and watching them grow, watching them be successful. But I also want to say to each coach out there, don't forget your family at home. They're as big as part of success as we are at Menchville. Um, it, it's, it's all about family, and it needs to be contributed also into with our teams. And it's about enjoying life and it took me a while years to understand that the winning isn't as important as life is with these young student athletes because we always think winning is a measure how good we are but you know what i'm good with it i just want to be part of these kids lives definitely i love that well coach i I appreciate your time and it sounds like you've had a very fulfilling career and here's to uh 30 or 40 more years thank you very much Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.